Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. So our title today is, What Has Been Heard? What has been heard? And I, uh, I know it's unclear right now, but as we begin to uh, uh, um, unpack the teaching this morning, uh, the Lord is going to bring more clarity to us. What has been heard? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to have gathered here this morning, Lord, to worship, to bring our tithes and offering, to celebrate with this beautiful family. Now we get ready uh, to hear from you, O oh Lord. Like you have spoken to my heart through this word, Lord, I know that you'll speak to the, to the church this morning as well. Open our hearts to sense, our ears to hear what you want to speak to us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What has been heard? Verse 15 and 16 of Ephesians chapter 1. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Thank you, Lord, for your word. You may be seated. What has been heard? We live in a time when information gets out quickly. We live in a time where uh, social media, texting, calls, emails, information travels quickly. Uh, we had to cancel Friday night service, and we were able to do it at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and everybody knew by 5 o'clock. Information gets out quickly. Now, in fact, regular mail is known as snail mail. Right? Regular mail is known as snail mail. It's like, when was the last time you dropped something off at the mailbox? Right? Uh, for the most part, information just moves so quickly these days. And we can hear uh, information and, uh, and we can get an announcement out quickly. You know, uh, who don't like to hear good news? I, I love to hear good news. Bad news is the worst. How many say amen? You know, when someone says to me, I have good news and bad news, what do you want to hear first? Bah, get it out the way. Let's just get it out the way and, and let us enjoy the good news, right? It is good to hear when someone you love is doing well. It's good. It's good news. Someone that you love is doing well. Man, that, that, that's good news. It's good news to, to hear someone is doing well. It brings joy to our lives. You know, it brings joy to our lives. When I look on social media and I see some of, of the young people that, that, were, that were kids and when I was a little younger, and now I look at them, they're like young adults, and they're doing well. And they're loving the Lord and, and they're growing in their family. As, and I have so many examples here of, 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 of young families that we saw as teenagers and, and even some as children. And, and we see that they're doing well and, and it brings joy to us. It brings joy to us. In December, I was in Florida and I was talking to a young lady uh, who's in her mid-20s and and she is now married, and she's been on mission trips, and works hard in her church. And, and she was part of Elohim about 14 years ago. She was a, a young teen. And, um, 
And now I, I was talking to her and I hear her, her passion for God and, and missions and, and uh, her and her husband are like all in in the church. And my God, it brought Pastor Becky and I so much joy to hear the way this young lady uh, was talking about her faith and where God had her in this season in her life. It, it, br it brings us joy. Right? It brings us joy. What, what have you heard recently you know, we've had the privilege here in Elohim to see pastors and ministers of our church move on to, to other churches as senior pastors. Um, and we see that they're doing well. We see that they're doing well. And it brings us joy. Like when I look at Danny and Damaris and how well they're doing, it brings me joy. And Gigi and Victor, it brings me joy. And Minor and Jesenia, it brings me joy. It brings me joy to see. I know it brings our church joy to see how well they're doing. We've heard about them. And it brings us joy. Here the Apostle Paul is writing to the, to the church of Ephesus. Okay? He's writing to the church of Ephesus. And he says, uh, I have heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus. And your love for all of God's people. And he says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. He's saying, man, I, he writes this in his first 15 verses. He says, I've heard about you. And I hear about how good you're doing, and it brings me joy. I can't stop giving thanks for you. Now, the church of Ephesus was, was not an easy church to, to pastor. In fact, if you read First and Second of Timothy, Timothy was the pastor of that church, and you'll see how Paul has to really encourage him with regard to how to pastor this church because they were dealing with false doctrine. They were dealing with Jewish legalism, mystical teachings about Jesus. In fact, when Paul writes 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, the first thing he tells them is, I urge you when uh, I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer. Like The first thing he's telling Timothy is, deal with these false doctrines in the churches. It's not an easy place. They were dealing with cultures of their time. They were battling different culture. Hebrew people were getting, Hebrews were getting, uh, were converting to Christianity. Gentiles were converting to Christianity. And there was this cultural clash between Gentiles and between Hebrew people. And, and where was Christianity fitting in all this? And it was, it was a real conflict. It was a, a real conflict. It was a lack of unity even found within the church. There was persecution. Remember, this is only 30 years after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, it's only about 30 years later, there was still persecution on the church. And I love that the Apostle Paul writes to the church and he says, Oh, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in our prayers. He's saying in the midst of all that you're going through, you are growing in your faith. You are doing well. You are loving God's people. In the midst of the battle that you have within this city that has all these cells that we call the church of Ephesus, uh, there you are doing well. There is growth. And, uh, and I love that the Apostle Paul said, you know, oh, man, uh, I'm so happy that you're growing in your faith. I've heard that you're coming to know the Lord Jesus and it makes me happy. I heard that you love all of God's people, whether they're Jews or Gentiles, and it makes me happy. He says, I cannot stop giving thanks to God for you, remembering you in our prayers. In other words, he's saying, wow, because of what I have heard, I am so proud of you. 
Isn't that great? Great. Ever since I heard. I hope that the same would be said for you and I. I hope that the same would be said for our church, for our, the body of Christ in general. I hope that the same could be said. I, I heard that you're doing so well, and I'm so proud. If the Apostle Paul was going to write a letter to Elohim today, I, I wonder if he would say, I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. If he was going to write to me, I, I, I hope that he would say, Carlos, I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. If he was going to write to you, put your name there, I hope that he would say, I heard about your faith in the Lord and your love for God's people. I, ho I hope that, that he would hear a good report about us. I hope that he would hear a good report about us. What? has been said. What are we hearing? So, three things that I want to share with you this morning. I hope that would be said of us as Christians, as believers. I hope that it would be said of us, uh, that it would be heard about us. Now, I had a list of things, and I said, oh, maybe I'll do this in a series of sermons, but then the Lord just kind of dropped these three on me, because you could probably add a ton more. And these three I want to share with you this morning as time allows. The first one is, I hope that it would be said of us that we are peacemakers. How many say amen? amen. I hope that it would be said that, that we're peacemakers. What this world needs is peacemakers, not instigators. Yes. In a world where there is so much division, separation, partiality, one-sidedness. What they need is peacemakers. Would it be said that the church is a peacemaker? In this world where we see political parties have divided people, we see views on vaccination and mass mandates dividing people, we see how our cultures have divided us. I am from this country and, and you are from that country. And we create these barriers that exist between us because perhaps we have a different presentation or we speak a different language and we've allowed these things to separate us. Could it be said that the church is a peacemaker? Sometimes we even have friends that divide us. These are my friends and those are your friends and, and I cannot be friends with them and they cannot be friends with me. Do you know in the world that we live in, in this system that we live in, money divides us. Uh, because of the money I have, I live here and, and you live there and I can do this and you can do that. And we see this in this world that money divides people. We see at times age divides us. You know, uh, they're, they're too young. They just don't understand. Uh, they're, they're just too old. They don't get it. And we want to pick out the different generations, whether Gen Z, whether it's millennials, whether uh, it's Generation uh, X, whether they're baby boomers. And we, we identify everybody by the years that they were born in. And we want to uh, kind of uh, isolate each one with their problems, their strengths, their hardships, etc. Which at times it's applicable, but does it divide us? What is said about the church in the midst of this divide? What is said about you as an individual? What is said about me, Carlos, uh, uh, as an individual? What is said about the church of Christ? Can we be considered peacemakers? You know, can we be, you know, I, I have to say this because it's just like, how could you not in a sermon like this in the times that we live in? But sometimes we look at people fighting in social media, right? 
and they're sometimes they're believers. And I go, and you know, we've all made the mistakes. Every so often I say something, I go, why did I say that? Uh, the Lord, the Holy Spirit just says, Carlo. You know, it's just, um, are we peacemakers or instigators? Are we harsh with people that have different views than what we have? Are we harsh with them? Are we harsh with them? Or do we find a way to be a peacemaker? Do we treat people differently because of the country that they were born or the language that they speak or the color of their skin? Or are we peacemakers? If we treat people different because of their age or their, or their social status, you, we're not peacemakers, but we're instigators. What does the Bible teach us? Jesus said this. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Jesus himself said this. He identified his children by saying that they are peacemakers. I love that the Apostle Paul writes to Ephesians in chapter 4, verse 3. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The church has been given the charge to bring peace in a time of conflict. Not to add gasoline to a fire, but to bring peace. That's, that's the charge that's given to the church. And let us be clear that peacemakers are not those who ignore issues or try to smooth things over without actually resolving the issues. Peacemakers are willing to put themselves in the middle of conflict and point towards important, unchanging truth. To be a peacemaker is not to give my opinion, but lead people to the truth and the best possible outcome for the time at hand. To be a peacemaker, we have to be willing to serve others, to put our concerns in second place and put the concerns of others first, to demonstrate that we truly care for people and we're not in it for the topic at hand, but for the people. More than the conflict at hand, we need to know that it has to be the people that we're trying to bring peace to and not what bring a case or our case to have healthy conversations, to point people towards Jesus, to be patient with them. A peacemaker approaches everyone with compassion and leads them towards truth. And the church says, this world needs peacemakers. Our community needs peacemakers. Our jobs and our schools, they need peacemakers. Even within the church, sometimes we need peacemakers. And you and I, this is what we're called for. There is conflict all around us. Do we become part of the problem, or are we actively trying to be a peacemaker? God, help us. Help us, God, to deny ourselves in times of conflict to see the greater good that points everyone to Jesus, points everyone to unchanging truth, and to be peacemakers. I hope that what would be heard of us is, oh, 
I appreciate so-and-so, for she is a peacemaker. I appreciate so-and-so, for he is a peacemaker. That's what has been heard of them. And the, Jesus says, and those are my children. And the church says, Amen. Amen. So we're talking about what has been heard. I hope that it has been heard that we are a peacemaker. Number two, I hope that it would be said that the church is a beacon of hope. A beacon of hope. That the church is not just an institution that meets to fulfill the special needs of a group of people. It's just not about meeting on Sundays. It's not just about uh, reaching and, and having our, our good social standing here in the church. It's not about good music or a good sermon. No, uh, those things are nice, but that should not be what the church is identified by. It should be identified by a place that offers hope. A beacon of hope. A light of hope. The church is hope for the lost. We are hope for the lost. We live in a world where a savior is needed to avoid eternal condemnation. And the answer is Jesus. Without Christ, humanity is lost. The church has the gospel, the good news. And it must project and it must preach and it must reflect and it must teach the good news. For we are a beacon of hope to a lost world. Jesus told us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. This is the message of hope. And it, is, it has been given to the church to share to a lost world. And I love that Paul reminds us in Romans, how can they hear without someone preaching to them? We are a beacon of hope to the lost. Without Jesus, there is no hope. There is no other way to the Father. Luke writes it in Acts when he says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus is the hope for the lost world. And the church must preach this. We must live this. We must reflect this in all that we do. This is who the church is, a beacon of light to a lost world. And there will be a day, there will be a day when hope is gone. There will be a day when hope is gone. Revelation calls it the, the second resurrection. And it is found there where, where hope is gone. And the dead are resurrected for judgment and they will have no savior and their names are not written in the book of life and they will try to defend themselves with their good works. They were like, but I gave money to the church. But I know about Jesus, but is he your savior and your Lord? There are many that know about Jesus, but they haven't submitted to him as, as my Lord. And they have not received him as their Savior. To know is not enough. And there will be a day when hope will be gone. But today, we are the beacon of hope for a lost world. And the church says, could it be said of us? Oh, I heard that they're a beacon of hope. For a lost world. Yeah. Also, we are a beacon of hope for those in despair. 
for those who have a sense of complete hopelessness. There, there are many that live under this sense of hopelessness, despair, where the church offers hope to those people. We live in a time when people have put their hope in worldly systems, put their hope in money and in fame. They put their hope in other people. And those things will lead us to a place of despair. We live in a time when we see so much separation and addiction and isolation. We live, we live in a time when, when we see so much hurt and brokenness. But the church is a beacon of hope for all people. The church, we point the despair towards Jesus. He is the giver of life. He is the giver of purpose. He is the one that gives freedom. We point the despair to Jesus, we understand that we're all beggars that have found bread. And what do we do? We offer bread to another beggar. Because we understand that in the midst of our desperation, we found Jesus. The church must be a beacon of hope to those in despair. And that doesn't mean that we don't go through hard times. Of course we go through hard times. As Christians, we all go through hard times. But the Bible reminds us uh, in 2 Corinthians 4.8, we are pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair. Right? We'll go through some things, but those things do not take us to a place of hopelessness. No, the church has placed its hope in Jesus, and there is none other like him. In fact, when the Bible, the Bible reminds us, how should we speak to our own soul in a time of hopelessness? Uh, Psalm 43.5 tells us, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And we are reminded of this. That in all circumstances, Jesus is our hope. In good times and in bad times, our hope is always in Christ. I love what Paul writes to the Philippians. He tells them, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then he finishes it off with it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That for the believer, in the midst of highs and lows, our hope is in Christ. Perhaps you're here today and you feel like your situation is a hopeless one. Today I want to just point you to Jesus. For he cares for our circumstances. Jesus said to, Jesus said, uh, to us, he says to his people in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Maybe there's someone today who's just battling with a sense of hopelessness. You're dealing with some things. Well, as a church, we are a beacon of hope. But what does that mean? We can only point you to Jesus. We can only point you to the one that, that can carry your cross. We can only point you to the one that in the midst of our hopelessness, he offers us hope. As a church, though, we must be a beacon of hope for the lost, and we must be a, de a beacon of hope for the despaired. And the church says, 
I hope that it would say of us, oh, I've heard. I've heard that you are a peacemaker. And I heard that you are a beacon of hope. And that it would bring joy to those who have heard this. And the church says, our last point this morning, I hope that it would be said of the church that we are consistent. That we are consistent. We live in a world where there's so much back and forth. Uh, terms are used like flip-flopping. So much back and forth. We see politicians say something today to gain our vote, and tomorrow they say something else. If we learned anything about this pandemic, that one day they tell you one thing, the next day they tell you something else, right? It, and it's just because they don't know. We're not there to judge them. We're, we're all figuring it out together. They just, just didn't know, it, right? But there's so much here and there. I mean, sometimes we hear coffee is bad for you. And then other times we hear coffee is good for you. I always lean towards coffee is good for you. I always lean that way. Right? I always believe the report of the one that says, no, drink coffee is good for you. That's the report I believe. But as a church, we cannot flip-flop. We must be consistent the church must be consistent. We must be consistent in what we preach and what we teach. This week I read somewhere, it was a reminder to me, I have read it before, but it, it resonated with me heavy this week, that our mission can never change, but our methods will change. Right? We must be consistent with our teaching and preaching, understanding that our mission is unchanging. We must remember that we must teach consistently that Jesus is the only way. It's our consistent teaching. Yes, sermons about healthy living are good and they are important, but they must be grounded in Jesus. Right? Sermons about a better you are good, but if we preach a whole Sunday here and we don't mention the name of Jesus, something is wrong. Sermons about managing our money Sermons about managing our money are good. They're important. But they must be rooted in Scripture, in Christ. Sermons about being a better leader or a better you. They're good, but they must be grounded in Jesus. We must be consistent in what we're teaching throughout time. Yes, things will change. One day the service will be darker and there's lights. Other day the service will be all lights and there'll be no darks. It won't be dark. Uh, uh, at times we'll, 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 we change our presentations, and, but we must be consistent in what we teach. We must be consistent in teaching that Jesus Christ is coming again. Let us not lose scope of this. Sometimes we get so institutionalized in our Christian faith of coming in and out every single Sunday that we forget this great truth that one day, the trumpet is going to sound and the church is going to be raised up. And we're going to find ourselves in the clouds with Jesus. And that is the teaching of the church. And some say that this is the last generation. But since the, since the disciples' times, they believed that they were the last uh, generation. So we don't know if this is the last one or not. We live like if Jesus is coming today. And we live like if he's not even going to come in our lifetime. Because I've said this from this altar before. I mean, I hope the Lord will give me long life. And I get to see four generations of my family. 
I get to see my children and my, and my, great, and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. And, and, and I hope that I could sit at the end of a table one day and look at, at my family and be able to say, man, we're all serving the Lord. And that to be able to reach a, a great old age and, and well into my 90s and, and with my mind and my health and be able to say, I've been a soldier for Jesus all the days of my life. I won't always be a pastor of a church. I won't always uh, be leading in different places. But if I could be a soldier for Jesus all the days of my life. All the days of my life. But this must be the consistent teaching of the church that Jesus is coming again. We must consistently teach about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts the world of its, of its sin, empowers the church, comforts the broken, and baptizes the believer. It must be the consistent teaching of the church. It's not something that we can flip-flop in. It's not something that we can teach differently today. No. It is the teaching of the church. We must be consistent. Not only must we be consistent in how we teach, but we must be consistent in how we live. Sometimes tolerance uh, gets into our churches, into our families, into our lives, and we begin to allow tolerance. Because we want to be so relevant that it's okay for us to look like the world. Well, I want to tell you that the church, that the world is looking for something different. We don't need to look like them to attract them. No, the world is looking for something different, and they're looking for the church to be different. And it's not the job of the world to change the church. It's the job of the church to change the world. We must be reminded that we have to be consistent in how we live. That our deep convictions for what is holy and righteous would not waver. That the world that we live in would see the consistency of the church. We must be consistent in what we teach and how we live. We must be consistent in how we serve. That we would remember that the gospel is not only preached, but is also presented in a lost world through acts of service and kindness. That we must be consistent in how we serve. What good, it is, what good would it be for us to sing today and, and amen a sermon and yet not be kind and, and yet not, and not be generous? We must be consistent in how we serve. What good would it be for us to, to be good churchgoers, but yet our neighbor not want nothing to do with us? What good would it be? We must be consistent. The church must be consistent in how we persevere. How we persevere. If anything, the pandemic has shown us that the church is resilient. We have persevered. It's biblical language for us to persevere. Paul writes to Timothy and tells him, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold to eternal life to which you were called and about which you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Hold on is what he was telling him. Fight the good fight. We must persevere. Uh, times will come and there may be times of persecution and hardship uh, but how do we handle ourselves in those times will identify us and it's what will be heard of us. You know and I love it. if you go to Revelation and I need to finish if, if you go to Revelation chapter 2 it talks about the church of Ephesus. Ephesus. 
And I love that it says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. The same church that Paul writes to, the same church that Timothy pastors, years later the Apostle John says about them, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. Uh, that we would be consistent in, uh, that, 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 that we would be heard of the church, that we are consistent. Consistent in our teaching, in our living, in our serving, and in our perseverance. So I ask you today, are you consistent? Because I think that consistency is something that at times the pandemic has produced an inconsistency within church people. It has produced an inconsistency within church people. The musicians can join me because we're finishing. I, and I, I, I want to encourage you this morning to evaluate. Use a barometer in your life that would help indicate some things. Has, has, there in, has inconsistency creeped into our lives? That the Lord would help us. So as I conclude our teaching this morning... What has been heard? What has been heard about, about, about you, about me, about our church, about the church of Christ? I hope that it would, that it would be said that, they are, that we are peacemakers. How many say amen? amen? I hope that it would be said that we are a beacon of hope to the lost and to the despaired. I hope that it would say that about us. I hope that it would say that the church is consistent in how it teaches, how it lives, how it serves, and how it perseveres. I've heard that you are peacemakers. I've heard that you are a beacon of hope. I've heard that you are consistent. And as the words of the Apostle Paul says, Oh, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers what has been said that the Lord would help us not to fail in these things that the, that the world would hear you know what I've heard good things about my neighbor I heard good things about my neighbor I've heard good things about my co-worker I've heard good things about my family members. They're, they're peacemakers. I may not believe how they believe. I may not go to the church that they go to. I may not want to go to the church that they go to. I may not want to believe in the Jesus that they believe. But I've heard about them. And I heard that they are peacemakers. I heard that they, that they offer. That they offer. They're, they're a light of hope for people in need. And they point them to Jesus. Because we know that we and ourselves and our church don't have the hope. But what we do is we point everyone to Jesus. But we're the beacon of hope. It's like the Apostle Paul writes and he says, uh, we've been called to the ministry of reconciliation and it is as if Jesus makes his appeal through us. We're a beacon of hope. I, I hope that, that our co-workers and our family members and our neighbors and our friends would say, I've I've seen their consistency. They, they, they don't flip-flop. They have chosen a lifestyle and they live by it. They teach, they serve, they live. I, I've, I've seen it in them. Consistent. I've heard that about them.
that we would leave here this Sunday morning saying, Lord, I hope that what is heard of me is good. I hope that what is heard of me is good. That, that you would leave here this morning and you're saying, God, I hope what people hear about me is good because I know that that would please you. And the church says, Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon. We pray it blesses and encourages your life.